0: to Jews on Film. I'm Daniel Zana. Hey, I'm uh, Harry Onsasa. Welcome, you know, everyone who's listening. Uh, you've made it this far, about three three seconds in. Thanks to all our uh, devoted fans. <laughs> exactly. So this is, uh, you know, this is a podcast where we are going to be taking a look at films and just analyzing and talking about them in terms of, you know, their Jewishness, whether they are uh, explicitly Jewish or not so explicitly Jewish and talk about the making of the films the people in front of and behind the camera, talk about the plot of the films, the contents of the films and the themes of the films and uh, chat about their Jewishness.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we are both Jewish. We both love movies. So this is uh, going to be a cool way to just sort of explore some of the movies that might be you know, explicitly Jewish that you'd watch that and say, oh, that's obviously a Jewish film or even find some of the Jewish aspects of,
0: you know, some other films where you might not expect them you know, why, why would someone trust you, Harry? What are your qualifications for this podcast?
1: Yeah. I mean, the one technical thing I could sort of put to that is I was a film major in college, which, uh, hasn't helped me in so many avenues of life, but at least here, I would say this gives me uh, a little bit of the requisite expertise that maybe I need to, uh, that justifies this podcast sort of for myself, but, um, but no, it's really, as I was saying before, you know, we're I'm Jewish. I love movies. I love talking about movies. I love thinking about how they resonate with myself and, you know, a broader audience. And, you know, I've, I've definitely made it a little bit of a passion of mine trying to figure out, you know, which movies I can connect to and which movies, you know, might represent some versions of what I see in myself uh, on screen. And I think, you know, when you asked me about joining you on this podcast and talking about some of the stuff a little bit, I was excited to just explore, you know, what that means for a movie to be Jewish.
0: Yeah. I mean, you seem like a pretty qualified person. You know, someone gave you a degree that said that you are, you know, according to your university, you are able to critique films in a way that some others can. not So um, and I, I myself am a, a video editor and studied film. And, you know, as Harry said, uh, we're both Jewish and passionate about film. And really, uh, for me, I've been just looking for an avenue to express myself um in the podcast form and be able to talk about things that i like and things that i watch and consume and see movies that i normally wouldn't see like not which is not the case in this film today but uh you know there are a lot of films out there and there's more every day i feel like with all the streaming platforms there's so much to watch and having an an excuse to watch these movies is is certainly a, a exciting thing so yeah
1: yeah no question
0: Before we get we dive into today's movie, um, what was your background like growing up with um, what Jewish film meant? Like, what, what does that mean to you or what did that mean to you growing up?
1: You know, I would say to one end, you know, any explicitly sort of Jewish movie you know, was was what I would thought was almost the extent of Jewish movies. You know, if it was about, you know, Jews doing a very specifically Jewish thing and often it was the case that the movies that I'm thinking of were the ones shown to me in, you know, Yeshiva Day School where it was a movie specifically about you know, the holiday of Passover, and we were just sort of like, oh, that was a Jewish movie. And then in my own, you know, free time, I watch other sort of non, you know, explicitly Jewish movies. And I will say one of the things that I was really drawn to in lieu of, you know, what I conceived of as being, uh, you know, a big, a, a large amount of popular Jewish movies was I felt very drawn to uh, you know other religious movies. So it often was the case. There are very, there are many you know Catholic films. People talk about you know Martin Scorsese as being someone drawn to portraying Catholic guilt on screen. And I can think of movies like Silence, which you know he put out a couple of years ago, which I loved, and it was about sort of this religious struggle for these characters. And that sort of was what I thought of as being a religious movie for me. I wasn't going to find the equivalent, let's say in a Jewish movie, just because I wasn't, you know, looking, it wasn't, you know, shown to me so much in a way that I could think of. But I remember seeing that and thinking, okay, I can just make my own connection to these other religious films. So I would say for the most part, it was, you know, either it was explicitly Jewish or, you know, I would make my sort of back-end connection through, you know, an otherwise Christian
0: movie. Right. But, um, but yeah. Nice. Um, and uh, for myself, I would say, there were, you know, movies like the Ten Commandments, uh, right. you know, I remember my dad had like, I feel like we had Columbia House where you would like buy a bunch of uh, VHS tapes or something like that. And then um, so we had the double VHS Ten Commandments. And then we actually went to like the library once and Charlton Heston was doing some sort of book reading and we got it signed by Charlton Heston. So that's like wow. a memory that's like etched in my brain. Um so that was like a big jewish movie and then also i feel like there's like other ones that i saw in school like the animated haggada for those who don't know it's like a um i want to say it's like an early 90s like stop motion claymation uh story retelling of the passover story um and so there's a companion actual haggada which is like the book that we read, read on passover um so that those are those are some ones that stick out like at the top of my mind um that were like explicitly Jewish. Um, But, you know, as we'll talk about today with our movie, um, there are other ones that were like Jewish, you know, not over the head kind of Jewy, but um, had a lot of Jewish themes and and you could definitely tell. Um, Yeah. So why don't we dive into it? Let's take a quick break and we'll get into our movie today. All right. And we're back. We are here today to talk about Blazing Saddles. Directed by the great Mel Brooks. Harry, what is your um, experience with Blazing Saddles? Had you seen it before this podcast? One time I had
1: seen it. I must have been, I don't know, younger than 13. It's about like 10, 11, 12 years old. And I remember watching it at my friend's house and it was I remember it was very funny at the time. I can't say I understood everything that was going on. I definitely remember my friend's dad, you know, shutting the sort of screen in front of the standing in front of the TV screen and blocking out, you know, certain things that, you know, maybe some language that I think he didn't think was appropriate for uh, his son and his friends. But um, I kind of watched it then and then hadn't really revisited it, until we, uh, we watched it for the podcast. I had seen some other Mel Brooks films and obviously was very familiar with it, but I hadn't really sat down to watch the whole thing until I did before we recorded today. How about you?
0: So I saw the movie a while ago and I've seen it maybe a couple times over the years. But I feel like for me, the, the Mel Brooks movie that stuck out the most and the one that I most uh, identified with was like Spaceballs because I am I was like a Star Wars fan. I still am to some extent. Less now with all the special editions and all that jazz. But like, you know, I'm still a Star Wars person. There was less social commentary in Spaceballs. I feel like it was very much if you knew Star Wars, then you got Spaceballs. Whereas like Blazing Saddles, as a young kid, there's a bit of context. You need to understand like what is a Western and, you know, race relations, maybe as a kid, you're just not as attuned to all that stuff. You know, I, I do remember some of the jokes, uh, even as a young kid. And like, um, and so, yeah, it, uh, it stuck out to me. But then watching it, like you said, for the podcast with a specific lens in mind of looking at it as an adult in 2021, you kind of take it in a different way. All right. So Harry, wh- why don't you break it down for us and tell us a little bit about the, what the movie's about? Yeah, sure. So, uh, the basic plot is about this, uh, politician,
1: Hedley Lamar, and he basically becomes interested in buying this land where a new railroad track is being built, you know, sort of very Western theme. And uh, in order to acquire it, he basically, he wants to purchase the land, but unfortunately there's a town in the way. So he hatches the scheme after, you know, a number of different plans fail to render the, the town unlivable so that all of its inhabitants leave and he can just sort of take the land for himself. So after going through a number of different plans, he ultimately decides after the sheriff is killed, to appoint uh, Bart, the character of Bart, who's uh, played by uh, Cleavon Little, uh, to be a sort of black sheriff in the town. And, you know, given this is a very racist town and the movie plays up that, you know, a tremendous amount, his hope is that his appointing of uh, of the character of Bart will draw everyone to evacuate the town. But, you know, as time goes on, they sort of rally behind their sheriff and, and fight back. And uh, in the meantime, Bart... Uh, strikes up a strong relationship with gene wilder's character of, uh, of jim
0: aka the waco kid who used to have the um fastest hands in the west i love that i love that gag where he's shaking his hand like this and he goes oh, no 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 he says your hand's not shaking he's at saying. all he shows, he shows his right hand and then on the left hand he's like no i shoot with this hand um, exactly definitely uh definitely
1: playing off a trope there you know a western trope of the sort of retired you know, quick shooter, but uh doesn't seem to take him very long to sort of recover his speed sure. from the movie as soon as they need it.
0: Yeah. I mean, this movie is packed with jokes. Like there are so many jokes in this movie and it is so well written in terms of that aspect. Like it's so packed and it's like one of these things where it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing that jokes will just kind of keep going. And there's like big jokes that they go for. And like, you, you know, the movie makes sure that you acknowledge those jokes, but then there's also these little asides that they have with each other that yeah. If, if you don't, if you didn't catch it, if you didn't hear it, if you turn around for a second, you're going to miss a joke, but there's a lot in there and it's really densely packed. Um, so yeah, the, it's interesting. I, I watched this, um, behind the scenes documentary called back in the saddle we'll put the link to that in the show notes. Um, but one of the interesting things that I, sort of read about both from Wikipedia and watching the documentary is that the way that the movie came about, you know, um, one of the things that's not- worth noting is that uh, Richard Pryor, famous comedian uh, wrote on the movie and was initially considered uh, to play the Cleveland little role. Um, in addition, another piece of fun trivia is that John Wayne was actually considered for the Gene Wilder role of the Waco kid, but Gene Wilder kind of came in last minute when they had some casting issues which I think would have been a very different movie if you had John Wayne and Richard Pryor in the in Blazing Saddles.
1: Totally, it's tough to think of John Wayne being self deprecating enough for the role. You know, yeah. just given his persona and some of the other movies that he's been in.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it would have made for an interesting movie. And and it seemed like Mel Brooks had a really hard time getting the film made because it was. I mean this was made in 1974 and things were very different then in terms of what you could and couldn't say and the fact that he was able to at the end come out with this movie which is still he said this in a number of interviews that like he wouldn't be able to get this movie made today. What do you think about that? You think that's true?
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely think that sort of with, you know, 2021 20, years sort of listening to some of just just the use of the N word specifically in this movie and you know obviously it's spoken I think you mentioned to me before the show, it's specifically put in the mouths of, you know, the characters that are supposed to be, you know, the villains of the movie. And, you know, we don't see any of the sympathetic characters necessarily using it. And it was interesting before that you mentioned Richard Pryor, because I also did read that, you know, he was part of the sort of decision process going into using, you know, the N word so liberally. And I think um, and I think Mel Brooks actually mentioned in an interview that he like had sort of been given the green light to sort of use it as he did in the movie by, you know, Richard Pryor and some of the other um, you know, contemporary comedians of the time. So it, it's definitely, I think it's a choice that's necessary for this movie. I think it creates this sort of jarring tone that, you know, works for some of the comedy and the ridiculousness of that side and of those characters. But um, but no question, it's it's jarring to hear it, you know, in a mm-hmm. movie that I, I think couldn't have been made for the last, you know, 10 years at least.
0: The villains in the movie definitely use it a lot, but then you have to show a sort of turn in the movie. You have a, a, an old lady who is confronted by Sheriff Bart. Uh, you know, she runs into him in the town and she says something like, get away from me, your dirty N-word or something. like that. Good morning, ma'am. And isn't it a lovely morning? Up yours Yeah, but then like later in the film, the same old lady who calls him the N-word earlier makes him a pie and like comes around, does a full 180. Good evening, Sheriff. Sorry about the up yours I hope this apple pile in some small way say thank you for your ingenuity and courage in defeating that horrible Mongol. So I think you know the use of that word is is showing, you know, it kind of represents evil and sort of um yeah, I think that throughout the movie there's there's quite a bit of racism. Um but it's primarily a tool used by the, you know, the the villains in the movie, whether that's like the Chinese people building the railroads at the beginning or the black people at the beginning, you know, um, building the railroad as well. And singing, you know, chain gang songs and things like that. And then having the bad guys make fun of them, that kind of thing. It's kind of like a live wire of a movie. Like it's a, a third rail, if you will, or something like that. It's, it it's, it's pretty, it gets to it, but it, it also has this like sort of veneer, uh, you know, of like comedy on the, to, on the outside of the movie to kind of get to like the heart of it, which is kind of, you know, racism, I would say, but the way that they package it in this sort of slapstick, goofy comedy with so many different set pieces and we, which we'll talk about, but the way that he's able to do it, I feel like I, I don't know, like in other Mel Brooks movies that I've seen that are so sort of, I don't want to say politically charged, but maybe socially charged, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to like get into the Jewish aspects of it and sort of, you know, it seems like, so Mel Brooks, who made the movie, who directed the movie, Jewish, Gene Wilder, Jewish, Uh, a number of the cast people, uh, you know, the the Madeline Kahn who plays uh, Lily von Stupp, she is Jewish. So if we're talking clearly uh, or specifically just about the people behind the scenes, um, you know, Mel Brooks's uh, mistress, Miss Stein kind of sounds Jewish, uh, We have Norman Steinberg, Andrew Bergman, who are the screen screenwriters. Um, So behind the scenes and to some extent, you know, in front of the camera, there are some uh, Jewish people. Anything in its production that rings uh, Jewish to you?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think, you know, in our conversation about sort of what makes a movie Jewish and how we're going to sort of assess that, I I think it's undeniable when, you know, the casting crew and and specifically, you know, sort of the production team is coming from or writing from this Jewish perspective. You know, that's necessarily imbued. And I, I don't think that's true for every screenwriter, director, filmmaker in Hollywood, but with Mel Brooks, that's certainly the case. You know, we were talking about Spaceballs before and, you know, they, when they're sort of mocking the force, they call it the Schwartz. And, you know, there's, there's a a Jewishness almost inherent to his movies and not only by virtue of him being Jewish, but certainly he, you know, works his Jewishness into the films. And I know we both pointed out plenty of examples, you know, where that shows up, but I, I think you're right, you know, assembling this cast, working with Jewish writers, you know, that, that gives it a leg up in terms of it becoming a Jewish movie, which I think we'd both agree it ultimately definitely is, you know, in addition to its, you know, politics and its uh and its uh play on the Western.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? So if we think about the content of the film, it's a Western, which is not traditionally a Jewish genre. Um, You know, I I would say like a companion movie that I've yet to watch, and maybe we could do that for like a bonus episode is The Frisco Kid starring Harrison Ford and Gene Wilder. Um, You know, but traditionally, the Western is not really a a Jewish genre. It's mostly like cowboys versus Native Americans. And, you know, the two are it's it's neither are Jewish. Um, And so so to introduce the Jewish element into this film, Um, is an interesting choice. I wouldn't say necessarily that the plot is, I can't speak for non-Jewish viewers, but as someone who didn't have that lens kind of going into the movie, I wonder what that experience would look like if it would just ring true as like a funny movie and that you wouldn't need, you know, you wouldn't need so much context to get the basic premise of the movie. I mean, there's plenty of jokes in the movie that play whether or not you understand Yiddish. Um, You know, like there's a scene in the movie where, a flashback from Bart's childhood where he runs into Mel Brooks who is in native faith if you want to call it that and he's speaking yeah. Yiddish. No, no, Zeitmish Laws in gain. Kappa walk. It's all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. big is in. Take off. You know, I feel like that would still play if you don't understand Yiddish. It's just a funny guy. Uh, you know doing a sort of stereotypical yiddish accent i was gonna say
1: definitely recognizable yiddish yeah you know, even if you didn't understand it
0: sure and i feel like uh at this point like mel brooks's voice is very much people associate that with like a stereotypical kind of Jewish voice
1: yeah yeah i i want to agree with you there because i do think that the movie definitely isn't only you know it's sort of I, I think the jewish lens isn't the first lens that this movie's taking you know it's it's a western by way of this you know sort of social commentary and i think the jewishness definitely accents it a little bit i think it's something that if you're you know like us who's watching it through that lens i think you can appreciate that a lot of the gags of this movie are jewish but they're not necessarily driving you know the movie itself and its themes i I do think that this movie plays with a sort of Jewish humor sensibility. You know, I think and part of that is driven because, you know, my definition and a lot of people's definition for Jewish sensibility comes from comedians like Mel Brooks. So I think that you know, his sense of humor and the way that he delivers these jokes and the flipping into the Yiddish. And I think there's a number of, of examples we could pull from the movie, give it a sort of Jewish sensibility that I think is one of the main line, like through lines of the movie. I think it's, you know, the Western with the social commentary and this Jewish sensibility. But I agree with you that if you don't have that Jewish lens, you're not necessarily missing out on not only the plot of the movie, but even most of the jokes.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, and some of the jokes, you know, um, we're talking, you know, every time somebody hits their head, they say, oi, everything. There's there's plenty of Nazis to go around in the movie, which is, you know, kind of uh, like ludicrous, but, you know, it's very right. like Jewish, like Mel Brooks is very much, uh, and, and I, I would say that almost like Taika Waititi is his like, next of you know like his next generation who's also really obsessed with hitler in the sense that he made like jojo rabbit and played hitler um which i think mel brooks also played uh hitler in one of his movies and like a flashback i would say maybe in a. correct me if i'm wrong but like i feel like in history of the world part one, like in one of the Jews in Space or something, or Hitler on Ice. Maybe he played him. I forget. I think you might be right. But uh, you know, the, you know, they're talking about the bad guys are talking about their plans.
1: I know how we can run everybody out of Rock reach. How? We'll kill the firstborn male child in every household.
0: Too Jewish. The the characters in the movie are already referencing Jewish. The idea of something being too Jewish. So it's like a, very much kind of like a wink you know, to those who are watching who know, um, but like we said, if you, if you're not Jewish or you're not as familiar with a lot of the Jewish references, you would still think the movie is funny content wise. I would say it's a West, like you said, it's a Western with, with a, a dash of social commentary with a dash of like Judaism, like a pinch of Judaism or, or Jewishness. I would say not Judaism. Judaism is the religion. I would say like Jewishness is like more cultural, you know, maybe that's what what I'll call it. But, um, yeah. Are there, are there any like thematic, uh, Jewish values, themes, or ideas that kind of stick out to you? You know, like, I
1: mean, it was interesting when you were talking about, uh, the Frisco kid, you know, because that, you know, the Waco kid, Gene Wilder's character is, you know, obviously sort of an allusion to that, you know, to that same character. It's just a very similar, you know, background. And, you know, I, I was thinking about the sort of, you know, lone figure with, you know, trying to like, convert these people and i'm not sure you know who like because that, that that's its own trope you know this sort of you know great savior i mean it's not quite you know the white savior it's it's honestly a full inversion of that but um sure. but it is it did feel very sort of like prophetic to me you know almost like a prophet i, I do think that there is a little bit of a, a prophetic tone to this to the sort of character and to the almost biblical nature of the story. And, mm-hmm. you know, cut me off if I'm getting, you know, if this is all too much of a stretch, because obviously, you know, this is us imposing a little bit of a view and this could just be, because it's also, this is a very Western story, you know, sort of the lone gunslinger or the new sheriff kind of like converting a, a wild town to sort of be more civilized. And I, right. I know that that's, you know, very inla- inherent to the Western genre, yeah. but I'm, I'm wondering You know, what sort of Jewish and like I was saying, sort of prophetic characters, you know, might or just themes might work into that. And I think trying to read a sort of Jewish or a biblical lens into this, you know, in in most Westerns would probably be, you know, uncalled for. But, you know, because we know, you know, you know, because of obviously um, Mel Brooks and because of that reference, you know, we can't do a punishment that's too Jewish. You know, it definitely is flirting with a lot of these Jewish themes.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing that I don't know if we mentioned yet, but, you know, spoiler alert, um, everything kind of works out for the good guys at the end of the movie. Um, And it ends with this, like, beautiful uh, fight all over the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank. Uh, And then we go to the Hollywood uh, Man's Chinese Theater. But before that, I feel like the part with the resolving the conflict around them building uh, uh you know building a railroad through the town one of the these big speeches that sheriff bart gives is that he brings together you know the white town folk the chinese railroad workers and the the black railroad workers in in a way of like you know like togetherness achdut is the word in hebrew but like treating others like you want to be treated and so like what sheriff bart is doing is he's bringing others together and and treating You know, he's he's wanting to make sure that there's everyone's getting treated the same.
1: Who the hell are they? Railroad workers. They've agreed to help us make our dream come true, and all they asked in return is a little plot of land they can call their own, the homestead. Now,
0: what do you say? Um. Uh all right, we'll give some land to the and the but we don't want the Irish.
1: Everybody. No deal. Oh, prairie shit. Everybody. Hey.
0: I, I guess everyone's just a little bit racist at heart, as is, is what he's trying to say with that. Um, I thought absolutely I thought that was like, you know, oh, great. We, we resolved the whole thing and everybody loves each other. But no, 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 definitely not
1: you know, even when you were talking about that scene and, you know, someone might play back this podcast and you might have some of the more grounded theories. And, you know, I think I'm coming in with another stretch, but, you know, just if you're familiar sort of with the story of, you know, the Jewish people, when they come down to Egypt, you know, Jacob and his sons, and they're sort of given their own, you know, plot of land in the sort of town of Goshen, you know, that's sort of apart from the rest of Egypt, but still kind of connected to it. And that seems to me, very reminiscent of the resolution of just sort of, you know, for these, you know, uh, these black, you know, these black workers that are building the train. You know, they're sort of given this sort of plot in the land. You know, no one's saying, no one's saying that the town has to become fully integrated, but it's, you know, if they help you, can you at least give them space to live oh, on their right, own? Right, 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 because right. that, that's sort of what they're given, you know, as reward for helping out and just. You know, alongside this whole narrative of you know, like kind of this leader coming down into Egypt and working for his people, it just and Egypt is is my uh, introduction. That's not obviously where this film is set, but no. again, maybe a little bit of a stretch. I don't think that hey. the movie Jewishness predicates on this theory, but sure. you know, could have been. Why know, not? There's been a lot of Jews in desert. so it yeah, like totally, totally. Works.
0: Um, You know, I would say you know we are jumping to the end, but I feel like just to go back into the middle, kind of to more of the. um the goofy stuff i feel like there's you know um the introduction of lily von Stupp, who's um a i guess a part of the plan is to you know whatever they try everything the, uh hedley lamar played by harvey corman and uh his uh, right hand man taggart played by slim pickens they are they are trying their best to get cleavon little you know after he's accepted by the town you know, they try something else. So they introduce uh, him to Lily von Stupp, who then is taken completely by Lillivon Little. And uh, she offers him Grubin and he has like 17 sauerkrauts and hot dogs and whatever. But she has a great number. Um, at the, and she plays, uh, she sings I'm So Tired. That's her sort of song that she sings. And it's done in a very sort of like Jewish way where it's not this like sexy sort of like, Song where she's you know talking about her assets or whatever she's just kind of like kind of like the word is fetching right so she's just kind of like whining about as a as a as a woman of the night she is just so tired of it all and uh so one thing i i discovered after looking up this doc that i mentioned earlier back in the saddle is that this is actually a it's an homage to this marlena dietrich uh song called the laziest gal in town so uh Maybe I'll just play a little bit of that for you. It's simply
1: because I'm the laziest gal in town. Nothing ever worries me. No one ever hurries me. I take pleasure leisurely, even when I kiss.
0: And now uh, for comparison, if you want to you're interested to hear the side by side, we can take a listen to that.
1: Here I stand, the goddess of desire, set men on fire. I have this power. Morning, noon and night, it's wink and dancing, some quick romancing and then a shower. (laughs) Stage door johnnies constantly surround me. They always hound me with one request. Who can satisfy their lustful habit? I'm not a rabbit. I need some rest. And tired of love i've had my fill of love
0: not the most seductive uh, song you want to hear but uh, you know that's uh, that's mel brooks for you you know yeah yeah i mean i think this
1: whole character is clearly something that you know she she definitely came out in the movie to me as being a sort of more overtly Jewish, you know, insertion into the movie. And I I hadn't heard that original version until you played it for me before we started recording. But I was shocked to hear how... You know, the sort of German accent that was already in the film, because I thought that was fully conjured up by Mel Brooks. But, I mean, he clearly introduces a lisp and this sort of Yiddish intonation. And like you were saying, you know, this, this sort of kvetching. I mean, I would be remiss not to point out that her name von Stupp, you know, yeah. she obviously is the Yiddish word for, you know, having sex. So right. it's very clearly this sort of Yiddish take on you know, on this sort of seductive character.
0: And uh and yeah, I, I think it's all clearly there. She's great. She's taken by Sheriff Bart, and um, you know, I would say throughout the film, uh, you know, we've got it all. We have dick jokes, we have fart jokes, we yeah. have cartoonish violence. I mean, to the point like later in the film where uh Sheriff Bart delivers a candy gram. Candy gram from Sign, please. Thank you. Mungo like candy. So then again, it's like this sort of, you know, he there's so many jokes in there and there's, you know, it's uh, yeah, I think it's just great the way that he's able to like sneak in like subtle social commentary that it works on so many levels. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think it's uh, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I I think the movie is sort of a reverence for even its own, you know, parody, because even as much as this is a parody of the Western genre, I mean, it breaks that mold so many times, you know, before we even get to that huge ending that just sort of fully leaves the movie itself. But, you know, even with all these like jokes and some of the humor that fully pulls you out of the world, I mean, one of my favorites is when they're talking about Hedley Lamar, the character, and, you know, obviously there's the uh, famous actress Hetty Lamar. And, you know, there's a great joke where they where like, they say his name, I think. And then Mel Brooks's character goes like, Oh, what? This is the 1800s. She won't be able to like, she's going to be the one to have to sue you, you know, just yeah. sort of pulling us out of the movie and pretending like this, you know, he's the character that sort of came first, right. which I think famously she did try to sue the movie or something that. Oh, did she? I th- okay. I think there was something like that that happened that they kind of just settled. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's just that the movie is just so, you know, irreverent. And so out like as much as it's about, you know, this sort of Western parody, it really is just about throwing in all this humor and throwing in all these different, you know, disparate references. And I like I agree with you. I think some of these jokes, you know, that Looney Tunes reference, they really
0: it just works them all in there. And I feel like oh, it's worth mentioning every time someone calls him Hetty. He always goes. It's Headley. Exactly. That's just like that's just like a running gag they reference. One of the you know, there's a few famous lines. You know, uh, so they're they're recruiting at the end of the film, sort of like the third of the third act of the film. They uh, uh, recruit all sorts of bad guys for the film, and so they have uh, Klansmen, bikers. Um, they have Mel Brooks as a cameo as a director, um, mm-hmm. and then there's that famous line you ready to attack Rock Ridge at noon tomorrow. Here's your badge. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Oh, no. There's like so many, like, yeah, there's just like so many good gags, and the fact that they're like so self referential and they're referential about the, the genre, things like that. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Yep. And every time that the movie progresses and you think it's getting like too serious, they have these like just like ridiculous and ludicrous scenes to make you remember that it is a Mel Brooks movie and not to take it too seriously. Uh, towards the end of the movie, they um, like we said before, they, they set up a fake city as a, like a decoy and uh, the crooks come through. They go to the fake city. They attack it. And then they get ambushed by our, our good guys. And the fight carries on from the Western area through the, the back stages of, of Warner brothers studios. And then we are uh, sort of, we get like a really nice tour of, of Warner brothers. We go to a uh, musical um, with, uh, with a lot of dancers and things like that. And then it goes to the commissary. We have some cameos as well. Um, And so it's like a fun sort of way to end the movie because, you know, sort of once the conflict has been resolved, like, where do you go from there? You know, it's kind of, uh, (laughs) it's a lot, but you, you do see Hitler kind of eating, uh, eating lunch with someone else. And then they have like a big, uh, fight and, uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us what happens next?
1: And then they have that fight. And I think at some point they, uh, Basically, the character of uh, Hedley Lamar's character, you know, tries to escape and he runs off into the sort of Chinese theater, the famous Chinese theater in uh, Los Angeles. And he goes into a screening of the movie. And as he's sort of watching the movie, and this wouldn't be the first time that Mel Brooks did this sort of gag of watching the movie in the movie as he does it again in Space Falls. But as he's watching the movie, he sees you know, uh, Sheriff Bart's character sort of coming to the theater, you know, from behind him. And, you know, knowing he's been found out, they, you know, he sort of runs outside and they have their sort of, their final stand together.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a great way to end it. Um, you, yeah, you, you did forget to mention, he hails a yellow cab. So Sheriff Bart chases right. after the right. yellow cab on horse. <laughs> on horse, exactly. Yeah, but it's great. And um, overall, why do we get to our ratings, you know? So I think one way we could go about rating these movies, you know, one out of five Jewish stars, obviously Jewish podcast, you know, I guess we could just talk about the, the production value, you know, in front of and behind the camera, how Jewish is it? The content, how Jewish is that Uh, the themes and then maybe overall Jewishness Um, or we could just go overall Jewishness. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I like the way of going through the categories, maybe working our way towards, you know, overall Jewishness by breaking it down. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we should start with the background. I know we've mentioned, you know, a lot of this, but obviously, you know, Mel Brooks is Jewish and, you know, very Jewish in his filmmaking, um, along with, you know, some of the actors. You mentioned Gene Wilder, the writers, you know, were Jewish. So clearly, I think this would be the case of a movie that has you know Jewish production to it. You know in that sense, it certainly is a Jewish movie.
0: So I would say like the Jewish production, you know, one out of five stars, I would say, There are Jewish elements to it. So I'd say like maybe two and a half, three stars. I don't know. I mean, the majority of the cast is not Jewish, right? But behind the scenes, definitely Jewish. So I'd say like, I don't know. I'm going to give it like two and a half, three stars, something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would agree with you. You know, three, three and a half. I think, you know, there are, I think there are Jewish filmmakers. And then I think there's Mel Brooks. And I think, you know, by virtue of him being the director here, I think that makes it, a little bit more, you know, Jewish necessarily than sure. someone you sure. know, who you might sort of look up a movie and say, oh, this person, you know, his parents happened to be Jewish. I guess he was Jewish. So right. I think any movie that Mel Brooks, you know, makes, you know, including this one and then anything he would make after that, I think just by virtue of him, you know, being the director, I think in some ways that makes it a Jewish movie. And you could argue that that's more a function of the content that he actually inserts into the film. But I, I do think that he films with, this sort of jewish lens this jewish perspective that you know i think i think justifies us calling this a little bit more of a
0: jewish you know made movie. what about the content i mean for me i would say i'm going to be like the uh, pessimist here i would Please. say it's not really like a, a jewish film right for me it has jewish elements and it has jewish jokes and there are jewish you know Subtle or not so subtle nods, you know, it's a Western movie with social commentary, um, but it doesn't set out to be a Jewish film. It sets out to be like a funny Western and it succeeds in that for sure. But like we said before, you don't need that sort of, you know, Jewish context to appreciate the film. You know, any joke that they're making and they're speaking in Yiddish the way that the context around how they're making the joke is heavily implied. So you'll get it, even though you don't speak Yiddish. Um, I'm fairly certain that as a young kid who didn't speak Yiddish growing up, I got most of those jokes. So yeah, I wouldn't say again, like kind of middle of the road, like I get two and a half, three stars. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What about yourself? Yeah,
1: I, I, I want to jump on that point you were making about, because I know we did discuss that, you know, if you don't have the Jewish context or the Jewish background or the Jewish lens, you, you will still appreciate this movie. And I absolutely agree with that. But I, I do wonder if it's the same movie without it. You know, I think that there are movies that, you know, the Jewish elements are more pronounced than they were in this movie. but. You know, I definitely think that it wasn't just one throwaway joke. You know, it was multiple references to Hitler, you know, which obviously he was, you know, he is not only relevant in from a Jewish framework, but certainly, you know, in a movie that has absolutely nothing to do with him, his repeated inclusion definitely to me suggests a little bit of a Jewish lens. I think, you know, the Yiddish, like you mentioned, in context, it does, you know, it is possible to get past it. But, you know, knowing Ah uh, recognizing it, I think i I noticed when it shows up, you know throughout like you know that Lily Von Sto character, you know the, all the oys that are thrown in all these characters later. you know they I, I do think the that some of this Jewish stuff really does pervade the movie deeper than just you know a mere accent that might you know that, that that I do think colors it. I think as this movie is a western first and foremost, you know a parody, a western. I think it has it offers some social commentary, but I I do think that Jewishness is a component of this film, you know, in the way that I think we're going to have to stretch it into some other films later on in the life of this podcast. So I also, you know, same, same with the other answer. I think I would lean towards three, three and a half out of five stars for uh, how Jewish it
0: is. Great. Yeah. You know, that's what this is all about. Disagreeing, you know, when you don't, you know, you don't always have to see eye to eye about this. No, yeah, What's what's more Jewish than that. Exactly. Friendly disagreement or not so friendly. Yeah. You know, exactly. Jewish themes? I would say, you know, like the message that leaves you with the for me I feel like this kind of at least on my end like scores a little bit higher in terms of values. Maybe not so much like, you know, they don't talk about Rosh Hashanah or Passover or whatever that kind of thing, but uh I do feel like the value of kind of like inclusion and treating everyone kindly, you know, while not like a specifically like jewish value there are pieces to and maybe it could be said nowadays that like most people are about bringing people together and treating others like you want to be treated that's the golden rule right and so that has certainly has jewish roots and whatnot so i would say i would probably give this one like a four four out of five yeah See, i can't yeah. can be positive sometimes
1: no i'm, I'm happy you are because i think i'm about to be a little bit more negative which Ooh. is uh, which is perfect perfect because yeah, because you know what, I'm I'm not sure. I think part of my you know, my aforementioned film degree, you know, exposed okay, me to okay. some western. Listen, buddy, so, uh, okay. Not to not to pull rank here or anything, but I definitely <laughs> but think But to that, pull rank. <laughs> but to pull rank real quick, just just for this one point. No, I mean not even. I, I do think that coming from a background, I, I took a course in Western. So that's kind of what I wanted to, uh, to reference, but I definitely think that this movie is toying with values of the Western. And as much as, you know, I had fun trying to tie in some, you know, biblical themes into a lot of the components here. I mean, a lot of these concepts of, you know, the sort of like the old gunslinger that needs to come back to protect a, a city, the new sheriff that isn't trusted by everyone. And the sort of route, the town rallying together to stop you know, this bandit This this crew of bandits That are, you know Coming together At a very specific time To attack And, you know All of that are things That, you know I personally have seen In a lot of these You know, these western films And it just, to me Felt like these themes, these ideas, you know, and I agree with you, with you know what you were saying before about like the after and the coming together, you know, the togetherness and standing up for, you know, your fellow man that exists here that, that certainly is Jewish, but I do think that the movie's presentation of those ideas is, you know, Western um, sure. thematically first before it gets to those Jewish ideas, and you know, as much as some of those Jewish themes are certainly, you know, present, I I actually think this movie's irreverence and humor and you know the way that it sort of doesn't commit to teaching a lesson, but, you know, before it can, it, it sort of jumps away to some other sure. ridiculous, you know, sure. open joke. joke. I think that for me just undercuts it a little bit mm. and uh, just makes us more of just like, you know, per, like a parody than, uh, than anything that I full, pulled such strong themes from. So, you know, for this one, you know, two stars, Oof. one star. Really, uh, oh yeah.
0: Wow. <clears throat> See, I'm going to double down. I feel like the Jewish humor of this movie is like a, in itself, like a Jewish value sort of. And like, there is no more Jewish uh, humorist in terms of film, you know, for, at least for this genre, for like slapstick satire, kind of over the top humor and like than Mel Brooks. And so I feel like, you know, this makes, you know, so I don't know, I'm sticking by my four and you can stick by your one over there and we'll just be on separate oh, yes. sides of the room and that's totally fine, um, you know. I wouldn't, you know, if I went to like a video store, I haven't been in a while, but maybe we should take a trip down memory lane and go to a scarecrow video up here in Seattle and check it out. Um, But I'm wondering, like, would would Blazing Saddles be in the Western section? Would it be in the humor section? Would it be in the Jewish film section? You know, I wonder, like, it's it's a good question. Um. I, I would say that's, yeah,
1: I would say that's the question that, you know, we're right. trying to answer here. Maybe okay, we should call him up in? right now
0: at <laughs> nine o'clock at night and say, Hey, where's your, do you have blazing saddles on DVD? Right, first of all, exactly. And if so, what section is it in? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, but I think that's, you know, that's the beauty of this podcast, right? Like agreeing to disagree. Um, no so, so knowing what we know about, uh, our ratings, uh, overall Jewishness, you know, what would you give this film? One out of five stars for David. Hmm. You know, I I'm tempted to
1: give it, you know, sort of a firm three, you know, because I definitely thought that, you know, the movie, the plot, the sort of context was very Jewish, but obviously thematically I, uh, I didn't come out as strongly, but, uh, because I, I don't want it to be square in the middle. I do think this feels more Jewish than not. I'm going to go with, I think three and a half Jewish stars. House two stars.
0: Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like you said, there's a lot about this movie that is Jewish. A lot of that movie that isn't Jewish. Um, and so I feel like it's unfair to give it like two and a half stars, which is kind of right in the middle. So I'm, mean, I'm, I'm also thinking like three, three stars, something like that, three and a quarter, maybe just to be different than you. Cause that's just how we roll. Perfect. How it Yeah. Be. I think, I think, you know, if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing? You should probably should have watched the movie at the beginning and paused it, but thanks for making it this far. But yeah, we'd be curious to know what you think. Hit us up on Instagram or Jews, at Jews on Film. That's our working title or one of our working titles. I don't know. But yeah, let us know what you think. And uh, did you want to talk about our uh, our book club section of the podcast? Before we do, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. welcome back we're here talking about blazing saddles and uh we have a few sort of book recommendations or uh book club i don't know what the hell we're calling this section what do you think yeah
1: still- the book club Book club. it's very jewish in front of it and it works for the podcast
0: yeah it could work to our detriment these days but i don't know a little <laughs> dark fair. but um yeah go ahead what, what do you got
1: Uh, Sure. So, I mean, this was a book that I thought of, you know, from the moment you approached me about doing this podcast and that sort of informed some of the way that I think about, you know, what is considered a Jewish movie. It's called Kosher Movies. It's uh, by Rabbi Herbert J. Cohen. And uh, what's interesting about it is that, you know, hearing the title and when I show it to people, they hear kosher movies. And I think, you know, the first impression is this must be, you know, sort of like censored and, you know, age appropriate movies that, you, you know, you can show to kids, quote unquote, you know, kosher, the way that, a lot of people think of that word, but what's really interesting about it is that, first of all, it features, you know, plenty of films that are at least rated PG-13. I want to say there's a couple Ooh. here that are rated R, actually. Ah. But um, wild, I know. But what it does is it goes through a bunch of popular movies and he calls it uh, the subtitle is, you know, a film critic discovers life lessons at the cinema. And it sort of minds movies that I would say otherwise would not be considered Jewish. You know, there's no obviously Jewish movies in here. And he pulls out, you know, sort of life lessons that he thinks, you know, themes that he thinks applies to, you know, that that are Jewish themes that, you know, can be pulled from these movies. And, you know, when we were talking about that theme section, as we continue to talk about, you know, how Jewish are the themes of this movie, I definitely think that the framework of this book is sort of what I have in mind, because it takes a movie, you know, that you might otherwise not consider to be a Jewish film. And it shows, you know, there are Jewish themes and values in a lot of these movies. And uh, I, I would say those absolutely are, you know, Jewish films alongside some of the more obvious ones that, you know, we mentioned at the top of the podcast. So It's just a cool way to think about, you know, what is a Jewish movie and definitely expanded the definition, which is going to be vital for this podcast, because I think eventually we would run out if we were sticking with,
0: you know, just sort of very explicitly Jewish movies. There's not so many of them. Right. Definitely. Uh, I'm wondering, is Blazing Saddles in there? I I was flipping through it
1: before we started, actually. I'm not sure if it is. I don't see it.
0: All right. Give me a heads up if you do find it. Um, For my book recommendation... I'm going to go with this one called the celebrity kosher cookbook. Can't really see because of the, uh, background on it here, but it's basically a cookbook I got from my grandparents house. Uh, so they grew up, you know, I grew up in LA. And so they just, they had a lot of books on their bookshelves. Um, one of which, which, you know, we'll save for a, another podcast is a Marx Brothers book signed by all four Marx Brothers, which is pretty chill. And so we'll talk about that maybe and I'll show it off at the uh, maybe when we review a Marx Brothers movie down the line, hopefully in the not too distant future. But this is a book from 1975. So it's basically from a synagogue in Los Angeles, I think, um, By and the book is uh, by Marilyn Hall and Rabbi Jerome Cutler. It's just got a lot of celebrity Uh, recipes. We have, you know, William Shatner, Soupy Sales, Ed Asner, Joan Rivers, Walter Matthau, Don Rickles, really a who's who of the golden age of, of Hollywood, I guess. And so, so we have Gene Wilder, we have a recipe from Gene Wilder. um, If you're interested, we could, uh, we could kind of go through that. We also have Sammy Davis Jr., Herb Alpert. I'm thinking, I also feel like I saw Madeline Kahn, who plays Lily von Stipp. So it was like a really like a double feature of um, of, you know, of Blazing Saddle Stars. But let me tell you what Gene Wilder uh, suggested on page 144 of this book. This is a mock strudel. What that means, I'm not quite sure, but uh, it's essentially a lot of butter, a lot of sugar sure Um, dates jam nuts raisins turkish delight and shredded sweetened coconut so it sounds really good and he you know he tells a little bit of stories uh about growing up with his bubby and and kind of you know making this with her and stuff like that but um yeah we could post the recipe up on instagram and maybe we could try it out and see uh see if it comes out okay i feel like the proportions back then with baked goods was like heavy on the butter and heavy on the oil and now it's like it's, a, it's like a little bit dialed back these days, but, you know, uh, it's pretty cool to see um, that in addition to being really funny on screen, that he was also an excellent baker. I guess that wraps it up for this this episode, right? Any any closing thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Jewishness aside, however you think it it's sort of on the rankings, this is an amazing movie. And I would definitely uh, give it, you know, a seal of
0: approval. I think it's great. Hear that, everyone? Hair you got the hairy seal of approval. I don't know if you knew this, but he studied film criticism. So this is yeah. not supposed to be my angle. I'm going to have to change my whole
1: persona by the next pod.
0: But, uh oh! Let that you're like this erudite film critic, and I'm this <laughs> sort of man of the people kind of <laughs> reviewer. Exactly.
1: These are not the angles that we're taking. So tune in next week. we have a <laughs> totally different version of you know who I, we are.
0: I like this. This sets up a good dynamic, sort of you know um that's true you know maybe maybe i'll turn it into a persona
1: but just i just want the record to be clear this will not be me this will be the erudite you know the
0: the persona that sells the podcast sure and and you could do a heel turn maybe like mid-season where you actually become a good guy and i become the bad guy and that's sort of my origin story um yeah i feel like uh like harry said you know great movie really worth watching especially maybe after listening to this podcast and having a little bit more context and you know i wouldn't watch it with like super young kids. I would say that like the older you are, the more you'll get out of it. And especially coming into it with some sort of context would, would really help. Yeah. If there's a a film that you want us to check out, make sure to tag us and uh, we'll check it out. Jews on film is hosted and produced by Daniel Zana and Harry Saucer. Daniel Zana edited this episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Jews on film and subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes. Thanks for listening.